Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. In the name of Allah, most gracious, most merciful. Al-Jum'ah Magazine, Volume 26, Issue 1, Muharram 1435, November 2013. Seeking Knowledge, the Way to the Garden, by Habib Ahmed. O you who believe, when you are told in your gatherings that grow crowded, make room for one another. Then make room with a spirit of patient fellowship. Allah will make room for you in paradise. Moreover, when it is said, rise for the prayer and other good acts, then rise. Allah will shall raise and station those who sincerely believe and comply among you. And raise greatly in rank those who have sought and been given knowledge. For Allah is all aware of all that you do. Surat al-Mujadara, chapter 58, verse 11. Seeking knowledge is obligatory upon every Muslim. In another narration, it adds an Muslimah. This hadith is graded da'if by Nawawi, but of correct meaning, and Hassan by Al-Mizzi. 1. Or Part 1. The Individual Duty and Incentive to Seek Out Religious Knowledge Allah created us and gave us sustenance but also guidance. He said, very truly we created man in a life of travail. Does he think that no one shall ever overpower him? He says in boast, I have expended vast wealth. Does he think that... No one has seen him. Have we not made for him two eyes and a tongue and two lips and guided him to the two highways of right and wrong? Surah Al-Balad 90 verses 4 to 10 After providing us with a capacity to contemplate and think and differentiate between things Allah instructed us or has instructed us to know him to know his prophet, and to know his deen, the way of life, his way, the way of life, his religion, which is Islam. He said, no will than that there is no God, but the one God, Allah. So steadfastly seek much forgiveness for your sin, and for that of the believing men and the believing woman. For Allah knows well, O people, your wakeful movement to and fro as you make your way in the world. And He knows well your abiding in a private at leisure and rest. This verse shows the importance of knowledge and the virtues that Allah has given to it. It also shows that knowledge precedes deeds since Allah instructed his Prophet ﷺ to know that he is the one and that and the only one worthy of worship. After this, he commands him to ask forgiveness for himself, his family, and for his ummah, nation, Muslim nation, were Muslims truly to realize the importance of Islam. Where Muslims truly to realize the importance Islam places on knowledge and the virtues it accords to knowledge and by extension the knowledgeable, 
without doubt they would without doubt they would strive eagerly to learn this religion and teach it to others where muslims truly to realize the importance islam places on knowledge and the virtues it accords knowledge and by extension the knowledgeable without doubt they would strive eagerly to learn this religion and teach it to others that means they would understand that they were to begin by their own learning and then teach what they had learned to their families and then their neighbors and their communities followed by their societies once muawiyah ibn sufyan gave a sermon in which he said i heard allah's messenger sallallahu alayhi wasallam saying if allah wishes for a person good he makes him deeply knowledgeable in the religion of islam bukhari and muslim the reason for this particular blessing is that knowledge is that knowledge is the foundation for all good it forms the basis for actions that are grounded in the commandments of allah and the instructions of the prophet hence every muslim must cultivate in himself a desire to seek knowledge Allah instructed his Prophet ﷺ, and thus all Muslims to ask Allah to increase him in knowledge. He said, And say, My Lord, increase me in knowledge. Surah Taha, chapter 20, verse 114. Though initially all Muslims are equal in the sight of Allah, those who believe, who have taqwa, fear of Allah and righteousness, and who have been granted knowledge and act upon it, move up to the higher ranks. Allah says about those who have taqwa or piety, O humankind, indeed we have created all of you from a single male and female. Moreover, we have made you peoples and tribes so that you may come to know one another. And indeed, the noblest of you in the sight of Allah is the most God-fearing of you. Indeed, Allah is all-knowing, all-aware. Surah Al-Hujurat chapter 49 verse 13 again Allah says about those who believe who have acquired knowledge Allah shall raise in a station those who sincerely believe and comply among you and raise greatly in rank those who have sought and been given knowledge surat al-mujadala 58 verse 11 the servant of Allah whom he has granted knowledge has a greater and subtler recognition for the value of what Allah has created than do others. This is because the knowledgeable and godly servant is more intimately acquainted with Allah's attributes and qualities. Consequently, the wholeheartedly witnesses that his creator is the only one worthy of worship and then submits himself to him humbly. This in turn generates in his heart a fear, which comes close to a full appreciation, a love of his Lord. Allah bears witness to this quality and this sense of awakened appreciation in his knowledgeable servants, and he directly links it to their wholehearted belief in his oneness, the high love for justice in which this results, and the sincere awe of him that inspires in them a cautious fear for his absolute power and approval. Allah states as much in two profound verses that the tongues of Muslims moved by adoration and belief will not cease reciting until the day of judgment. 
Allah himself bears witness that indeed there is no God but him, as do the angels and those with knowledge that he is the one upholding justice. There is no God but him, the overpowering, the all-wise. Surat Ali Imran, chapter 3, verse 18. And also, yet none is awakened to the wonders of creation and truly fears Allah among his servants, but those filled but those filled with knowledge of the word and the way of Allah. Indeed, Allah is overpowering, all-forgiving. Surat Fatir, chapter 35, verse 28. <coughs> Thus the Messenger of Allah gave glad tidings to anyone who undertakes the task of seeking knowledge. Abu Hurairah, may Allah be pleased with him, عنه, relates that the Prophet said, Allah will ease away to paradise for the one who embarks on the path of seeking knowledge. Muslim If the Prophet had uttered no other statement on the importance of knowledge but this one, it would have been enough for Muslims. Yet the Prophet ﷺ, may the blessings and peace be upon him, did and said much more than this in regard to Muslims pursuing knowledge of the religion. Here are eight such encouragements and exhortations of the Prophet ﷺ about the Muslim questing, questing after religious knowledge. 1. The Prophet ﷺ used to urge his companions May Allah be pleased with them all to seek knowledge. Ibn Mas'ud, radiyallahu anhu, may Allah be pleased with him, relates that the Prophet, وسلم, said, Only two are worthy of being envied, one upon whom Allah bestows riches and grants him the power to spend it in a righteous cause, and one whom Allah endows with the wisdom by which he judges and by which he teaches. Bukhari and Muslim. 2. He used to load the companions, may Allah be pleased with them, whenever they made a right judgment or correctly answered a question. Once the Prophet asked the companion Ubay ibn Ka'b, anhu, may Allah be pleased with him, do you know which verse in the book of Allah is the greatest? Do you know which verse in the book of Allah is the greatest? Ubay answered by reciting Ayatul Kursi, the verse of the throne, i.e. verse 255 of Surat Al-Baqarah. Allahu, there is no God but Him, the living. Allah, there is no God but Him, the all-living the self-subsisting, all-sustaining one, all-sustaining one. Slumber does not overtake him, nor does sleep. To him belongs all that is in the heavens and all that is in the earth. Who is it that shall intercede with him except by his permission? He knows what lies before them and what lies behind them and they do not comprehend anything of his knowledge except that which he wills. 
His seat of divinity encompasses the heavens and the earth, and preserving them does not fatigue him, for he is the ever-exalted, the magnificent. Upon hearing this, the Prophet ﷺ said to him, Well done, well done, indeed you are a learned man, O Abu al-Mundir. 3. The Prophet ﷺ, may the blessing and peace be upon him, would ask Allah to grant his companions, may Allah be pleased with them, the correct knowledge and understanding of his religion, the way of life, the deen. Ibn Abbas, may Allah be pleased with him, narrates, Once the Prophet ﷺ hugged me and said, O Allah, bestow on him, that is Ibn Abbas, the knowledge of the book, the Quran, Bukhari. For he enjoined all of his companions, may Allah be pleased with them all, and thus every Muslim who possesses some knowledge, even as little as one verse, to disseminate whatever they know to others. He said, Convey, convey what you learn from me, though it be but a single verse. Bukhari. 5. He made special dua for those who learn his hadith and transmit them to others. Zayd ibn Thabit, may Allah be pleased with him, narrated that the Prophet said, May Allah brighten the face of the person who hears what I say, retains it, retains it, then conveys it to others. For sometimes the recipient of a word may have a better grasp of its meaning than the one who conveys it to him. Ahmad and Tirmidhi. 6. The Prophet assured all those who disseminate his teachings that they will get the same reward of any Muslim who acts upon that knowledge. Abu Hurairah, may Allah be pleased with him, عنه, relates that the Prophet said, One who calls another to righteousness, one who calls another to righteousness will have a reward equal to the reward of the one who follows him, with no diminishment in the reward of either of them, Muslim. 7. The Prophet, may the blessing and peace be upon him, وسلم, showed us the noble status of the learned ones from among Muslims. On the authority of Abu Umama, may Allah be pleased with him, عن, the Prophet وسلم, said, the rank of the learned is as far above the rank of an ordinary worshipper as I am above the least worshipful the least worshipful Muslim among you. The Prophet then added Allah, his angels and all those in the heavens and in earth, even the ants in their holes and the fishes in water pray for Allah's blessings upon those who instruct people in beneficent knowledge. Termini. 8. Better still, the Prophet, may Allah be pleased, may Allah be, may the blessings of Allah be pleased, uh, may the blessing of Allah be upon him. Better still, the Prophet, may the blessing and peace be upon him, وسلم, declared that the ulama, the learned in religion, are his heirs. Abu Dadda, May Allah be pleased with him, said that he heard the Prophet ﷺ as saying, The ulama are the heirs of Allah's prophets, and the prophets do not leave a legacy of dirham and dinar, acreage and dollar.
rather they leave behind only knowledge thus he who is possessed of knowledge or who possesses knowledge is indeed possesses a great fortune Abu Dawood and Tirmidhi we take notice of these merits of learning and prophetic glad tidings to the learned and the heart of the believer is provoked to ask need I hear more to awaken my desire to acquire knowledge behold the divine promise for attaining religious knowledge O Muslim 1 it eases one's way to paradise 2 it makes one an heir to our Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam May the blessing and peace be upon him 2. It makes one an heir to our Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam 3. It accords one lofty rank of high and noble status with Allah Glorified be he Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala 4. It is a blessing for one from Allah It is a blessing for one from Allah 5. It calls forth prayers in one's behalf from the dwellers of heaven and earth. They supplicate all for him. 6. It makes one's face shine out with beauty on the day of judgment, a day when the countenances, a day when the countenances, countenances of others shall be cast down and dimmed in darkness. Shall we not then make our intention now and you to embark on the road to paradise? Shall we not begin our quest for knowledge of our religion today, Islam, immediately? Part 2 <clears throat> The Correct Method for Seeking Religious Knowledge In the world we now live in, there are an overwhelming number of schools, teachers and books from which to learn. It may seem then an irony that unequipped with a proper knowledge and insight the learner finds him or herself confused when it comes to choosing among them what school, what teacher, what school, what teacher, which books. Every group and teacher claim to have hold of the right method for seeking and acquiring knowledge. In reality there is but one road methodology by which you can navigate faithfully and safely through the seas of knowledge and by which you can reach the shore of salvation. I list below, I list below eight guidelines of this method. They derive from how the companions of the Prophet ﷺ sought out knowledge and the practices of the great generations that followed upon their traces. The objective is to learn sacred knowledge and not be misled in the process of one's acquisition of it. The guidelines are there to get you to the path of knowledge and to keep you upon the straight way to which you have committed yourself. For in our search for knowledge and for truth, divergence that channels one unknowingly off the path is the paramount danger. As with all things, guidance is with Allah. Guidance is with Allah glorified be he so it is with the intention of pleasing and drawing near to him and by his permission that we must begin guideline number one be sure that your motive for learning is solely to please Allah seeking knowledge is an act of worship 
and any act of worship have two criteria one love of and sincere submission to Allah must form its basis must form its basis two it must be done in accordance with the way of the Prophet I according to the Sunnah the Prophet's normative practices hence your search for knowledge should be solely for the pleasure of Allah the Prophet said he who seeks knowledge which ought to be sought for the pleasure of Allah the Lord of honor and glory but who does so only to attain a worldly gain that he covets will not so much as smell the fragrance of paradise on the day of judgment Abu Dawood one <coughs> cannot overstate one cannot overstate the importance of these guidelines of sincerity because the rewards of one's actions depend on it you should constantly check the intention behind your actions and more specifically behind your quest for knowledge another aspect of sincerity is to make sure that your primary goal for studying is to teach yourself first many people though sincere in their quest for knowledge look forward to teaching people before teaching themselves this attitude coupled with satan's deception may lead one to depart from his good intention and end up seeking people's pleasure and recognition one of the signs of this evil intention is that one finds himself or one finds oneself inclined to teach and preach while he himself avoids the arduous task of truly seeking knowledge may Allah grant us all sincerity in our deeds guideline number two prioritize the things you learn already established is that the knowledge that is obligatory for every Muslim is to learn is uh, ilm al-sharia religious or sacred knowledge that is the knowledge pertaining to Islam as a faith to acts of worship and to necessary transactions and to the daily dealings of a Muslim consequently this should be the first type of knowledge you seek and it ought to establish the sequence in which you seek it start by learning fiqh uh, al-iman the edicts of faith that is by understanding all the basic matters pertaining to your belief learn about Allah his attributes his right upon you how to thank him glorify him and please him the learn about your Prophet how to love and obey him and what rights he has upon you then proceed to other matters of your faith the angels the revealed books Allah's prophets the day of judgment and Allah's predetermined decree predetermined decree Al-Qadr the first thing you must learn from fiqh al-ahkam Islam's legal rulings is how to perform your salah how to purify yourself the type of water you can use for your bath and ablution the kind of clothes you can wear to cover your body the conditions and pillars of both ablution and salah how you can rectify mistakes such as involuntary omissions or additions in salah etc after you have understood the basics of your faith and your duties towards uh, toward Allah glorified be he and his prophet وسلم, and when you are performing salah as a prophet وسلم, practiced it you can move on to study other obligatory acts of worship and then the rules that govern your life transactions including your financial and economic dealings once you comprehend these essential teachings you can proceed to educate yourself in matters that concern you your family and your community learn how to build a family 
life according to the sunnah of the Prophet ﷺ, may the blessing and peace be upon him, how to help solve the problems and concerns of your community, how to give and receive da'wah to Muslims, and how to present the call of faith to non-Muslims. If you have attained to this stage of learning and feeling the desire to seek more knowledge, you need to acquire the tools that are necessary for further study. The most important of these is the Arabic language. Though mastering Arabic does not necessarily make one knowledgeable in Deen, it is undoubtedly the first prerequisite for approaching any optional Islamic knowledge. Al-Ilm al-Shari'i al-Kifai This includes tafsir, Quran, exegesis, the science of hadith and other areas, say Sirah, Islam's conception of historiography, economics, rules of finance and so on. Whether you limit yourself to obligatory knowledge or seek the details of specialized religious knowledge, it is extremely important to understand and observe the rules for seeking knowledge and the ethics that accompany them. Guideline number three, know your sources of knowledge. Your basic source of knowledge are but two, the Quran and the Sunnah. Both of these two sources are from Allah and both are a source of guidance and legislation for us. The Prophet, may the blessing and peace be upon him, وسلم, said, Verily, I have been given the Qur'an, and along with it something similar to it, i.e. Sunnah. Ahmed. Allah has made clear in his book what he has uh, determined to be good or con- conducive to good in the affairs of humankind, both for this world and for the world to come. Allah said, We have neglected nothing in the book, and then unto their Lord they all shall be gathered. Surah Al-An'am 6 verse 38 Moreover, the Prophet ﷺ has conveyed to us all that we need to know to achieve success both in this life and in the life hereafter. He said, I have left nothing with which Allah has commanded you to do, save that I have commanded you to do, nor anything that Allah has forbidden you from doing, save that I have forbidden you from doing it. Al-Bayhaqi Thus one should give opinion one thus should thus one should give uh, opinion preceded over Allah's command or trumpet or trumping thus one should give no opinion precedent over Allah's command or trumping that of his prophet sallallahu any opinion that is against Allah's decision or that of his prophet sallallahu or cannot be traced back to the Quran and the authentic sunnah is to be rejected. Dreams, the inspirations of people, even highly devout servants, the discursive thought of the philosophers, none of these are legitimate sources of knowledge. Nor are the forged sayings of deviant sects, which are falsely attributed to the Prophet and his companions, to be taken as legitimate sources of knowledge. As an example, let us take the question of the rational thought of the philosophers. Islam does not condemn reasoning, that is, rational thought, exercised within the guidelines of the Qur'an and the Sunnah. However, one should distinguish between using the mind, the source of reasoning, as a thinking mechanism to reflect, compare, memorize, and so forth, on the one hand, from, uh, from on the other hand, taking these rational processes as a source of true knowledge, having legislative authority. However, one should distinguish between using the mind, the source of reasoning, as a thinking mechanism to reflect, compare, memorize, and so forth, on the one hand, from, 
On the other hand, taking these rational processes as a source of true knowledge, having legislative authority. Even Ijma', the consensus of Muslim scholars, especially that of the Prophet's companion, may Allah be pleased with them all, which is binding on all Muslims, is not legislative in and of itself, but rather it has legislative force because it draws on the Quran and the Sunnah. That is, it has its basis therein and on account of the fact that the Prophet authorized this saying my ummah as a whole will never agree on a wrong thing i.e. will never agree on a wrong thing on a misguidance Abu Dawood thus the source of ijma' as a principal source of law is actually the sunnah not reason per se guideline number four be gradual in learning and surpass and suppress haste. Be gradual in learning and suppress haste. It may take just a few weeks to learn the obligatory knowledge. Still, you should learn gradually and practice what you learn as you proceed. Take time to comprehend the matter you study. Give it the necessary time it deserves. More importantly, never jump to further study until you master its prerequisites. Uh, Abdullah ibn Mas'ud and other notable companions used to learn from the Prophet ﷺ 10 verses of the Quran and not proceed further until they understood and practiced them. It is reported that the that Abdullah ibn Umar ibn Khattab, may Allah be pleased with them, spent 8 years studying, memorizing and implementing Surah Al-Baqarah and Surah Ali Imran, the second and third uh, chapters of the Quran. It is reported that his father spent 12 years memorizing and implementing Surah Al-Baqarah. May Allah be pleased with them all. Guideline number 5. Learn your deen the way the Prophet's companions did. One needs to understand that the companions, may Allah be pleased with them all, of the Messenger, were the best of all Muslim generations and we cannot have a better understanding of the faith than what they had or a practice of it better than theirs. Allah, glorified be He, called the companions, عنهم, those who are rightly guided. And He followed this by saying of them, Allah increases them in guidance. Surah Muhammad 47, ayah or verse 17. They had more knowledge of the Quran and of the Sunnah than any other generation. For they witnessed the Qur'an's revelation and had far more command of the Arabic language uh, in its then current and pure sense, that is, at the time of the Qur'an's revelation. Moreover, they witnessed, accompanied, and were personally instructed in their religion and character by the Prophet ﷺ. Thus, our understanding of the Qur'an and the Sunnah should be based on their understanding. You should give this guidance, you should give this guideline even greater priority. You should give this guidance even greater priority when you are studying matters pertaining to the essentials of faith, such as the right of Allah to be worshipped alone, his names and attributes, and the matter of Allah's predetermined decree, Qadr. Here are three principles held to, held to by the companions. May Allah be pleased with them regarding these three matters of study. One, they directed their every aspect and kind of worship to Allah alone. They acknowledge that it is Allah 
and only Allah who legislates the laws of worship. Hence, they did not ask mortals for help, nor did they introduce innovations into religion, such as the later originations of celebrating the Prophet's birthday, erecting structures on graves, and the like of, of these deviant practices, which are haram. 2. They understood the attributes of Allah from the Quran and the Sunnah without likening Allah to any of his creatures. Therefore they believe that Allah's therefore they believe that Allah is established befittingly on his throne and that he hears, sees and so forth. Three, they believe that Allah had predetermined the nature of all things fifty thousand years before he created the heavens and earth, as narrated in the hadith collections of Muslim, that good and evil existed by Allah's decree, and that the former occurred only with Allah's succor, and that the latter occurred not against his will. They did not believe, as many heretics did, that man has no power to act and is forced to do whatever he does at the one extreme, nor that man creates and chooses his own deeds entirely of his own free will at the other extreme. Rather, they believe that man was free to choose his deeds, but only within and under the supervision of Allah's will. The human sources who transmitted to us the religious understanding of the Prophet's companions are pious and reliable, and these reports have been recorded, explained, and clarified by reputable scholars. Some of these narrators and scholars include Al-Bukhari, Muslim, At-Tirmidhi, and other narrators of Ahadith, as well as Imams Abu Hanifa, Malik, Al-Shafi'i, and Ahmed, and also Ibn Taymiyyah, Ibn Al-Qayyim, Ibn Kathir, Al-Zahabi, among many others. Guideline number six, take knowledge from the right scholars and teachers. It is crucial to take your Islamic knowledge from one or more teachers. In this regard, one should avoid relying only on books or self-tutoring. One should look for a teacher who adheres to the methodology of the Prophet's companion, sallallahu uh, may Allah be pleased with them all, radiallahu anhum, in belief and a practice. Ibn Mas'ud, radiallahu anhu, used to say, this knowledge is your deen, this knowledge is your religion, this knowledge is your religion. So let everyone be aware about whom he learns his religion from. Therefore, <coughs> your prospective teacher should be free from all deviances, especially those pertaining to aqeed, a creed, and essential of belief. <coughs> people who subscribe to deviant beliefs, people who subscribe to deviant beliefs and practices do not use the sunnah to substantiate their conclusions, and when they do, they use narrations that are either fabricated or weak. They issue rulings based on their mere opinions or even their dreams. Genuine teachers, i.e., those who are free of deviancy and try as much as uh, as humanly possible to live by the sunnah, may not be available. Genuine teachers may not be available in every community. As such, you may have to turn to books as a constraining alternative for learning. In this case, choose only those books whose authors subscribe to the methodology of the Prophet's companion. Companions, may Allah be pleased with him, anhum. Better yet, you may consider traveling to a place where you may find the right teachers, at least for a period of time in which you can acquire the essential knowledge or Islamic knowledge. Guideline number seven, avoid uncritical emulation. 
one should always try to ascertain whether an opinion or ruling has evidence in the Quran and the Sunnah. Imam Ahmad bin Hanbal, Ahmad bin Hanbal said, do not imitate me or Malik or Shafi'i or Al-Awza'i or Al-Thawri. Rather, refer directly to the source on which they draw i.e. the Qur'an and the Sunnah. As Shafi'i used to say, if you find in my books a statement that contradicts the Sunnah of the Prophet وسلم, then follow the Sunnah of the Prophet, may the blessing and peace be upon him وسلم, and ignore what I have said. However, the new learner, such as a new Muslim for example, may emulate a learned person whose knowledge and behavior he trusts until he gets to the stage in which he can understand and discern the differences between evidences presented by scholars. When he is able to do so, it becomes incumbent upon him or her to follow, not emulate the scholars, asking them for the textual evidence for their positions and seeking the truth for oneself. One should not at this level issue rulings since this task is the uh, purview of uh, scholars who have achieved the status of ijtihad discretionary opinions <coughs> these are the mujtahids independent legal practitioners or jurists who by virtue of their mastering the instruments of ijtihad such as the sciences of the quran and the sunnah the source of methodology of fiqh Arabic and so on can research and perform independent legal reasoning to make legal pronouncements on various issues. Guideline number eight, avoid gatherings of heretical innovators. The early Muslim generations who followed the guidance of the Prophet and his companion used to avoid gatherings of innovators. Ibn Sirin, uh, a distinguished tabi successor, the title of the generation who followed that of the companions, may Allah be pleased with them all, and were taught by them. And a scholar of Hadith, Ibn, uh, Ibn Sirin, as a scholar of Hadith, said, do not, sit with, do not sit with debate or listen to, do not sit with debate or listen to the partisans of heretical innovations at Darimi. Abdullah Ibn al-Mubarak, another scholar, of uh, of the successor generation tabi'in or tabi'un used to say indeed we can relate in our teaching the words of Jews and Christians as such but we cannot relate in our teaching the words of the jahmiya the jahmiya were an early heretical muslim sect founded by jahm ibn safwan he claimed that man had no free will and that all man's actions were fully predetermined by Allah. Jahm or Jahmis also believed that faith exclusively meant knowing Allah and that it had nothing to do with deeds, amal or amal, and, all, all, and also that Allah is not qualified by attributes such as hearing, seeing, speaking, etc. If this close scrutiny of if this close scrutiny of and strict adherence to the Quran and Sunnah was the rule followed by the Salaf, who had the knowledge and the insight to refute all innovations, how much more does this rule apply to our generation, where ignorance is widespread and deviations run rampant? In fact, even if one has sufficient knowledge and insight to differentiate between truth and falsehood, between Sunnah and Bid'ah, still he should avoid circles of deviant sex, lest be lest he or she inclined to their innovations, or at best lose in his his or her heart the reverence and love for the Sunnah. 
The seeker of knowledge should remember the wise words of counsel from Ibn Sirin. Do not sit with an innovator, lest he should. Do not sit with an innovator, lest he should dart into your heart something heretical, innovation that you might fall for and thus be doomed, or lest you dispute with him and have your heart sickened in the process. May Allah ease our quest for genuine knowledge, and may He ease for us a path to paradise. Part 3 Ethics for the Seeker of Knowledge A seeker of knowledge must know that there are many ethical principles that he or she is to observe so as to achieve the proper and blessed way of learning that Islam has directed for Muslims to follow. One should not regard the ethics of learning as an optional behavior that one may disregard. <coughs> Some, if not all, of these ethical principles are obligatory duties for every Muslim, especially the seeker of knowledge. In fact, these ethics are an integral part of the correct methodology for seeking knowledge. Hence, there is no option but to live by these ethics. May Allah help us all to live up to these standards. What follows is an anonymous an what follows is an annotated list of nine of these ethical principles for the Muslim learner. The first ethic, the first ethic of the student of knowledge. Act upon what you learn. Allah says, O oh, you who believe, why do you say what you do not do? It's greatly abhorrent in the sight of Allah that you say, what you don't do. Surah As-Saf, chapter 61, verses 2 and 3. The Prophet ﷺ said, On the day of judgment, a man will be brought and thrown into hellfire. As a result of this, his intestines will come out of his belly, and he will go circling around holding his intestines like a donkey running a mill. His fellow inmates of hellfire his fellow inmates of hellfire will gather around him and say, Oh, so and so, what is going on? Didn't you used to call people in worldly life to do good and avoid evil? He will answer saying, He will answer by saying, That is correct. I told people to do good but didn't do it myself. And I bade them to shun evil but I did it myself. Bukhari and Muslim. Imam al-Thawri said, No word is accepted without action, and no word and action are correct without intention, niya. And no word, action or intention is correct unless they are in accordance with the sunnah. The second ethic of the student of knowledge, be close to the Qur'an. <coughs> the Qur'an should be your constant source of guidance. Make it a habit to recite a portion of it daily and exert efforts to understand the verses you recite through consulting books of tafsir, Qur'an exegesis, that is, explicative commentary. Reciting the Qur'an will provide you with the guidance, patience, and insight you need uh, most in your quest for knowledge. 
Allah says, indeed, this Quran guides to that which is, indeed, this Quran guides to that which is most upright and gives glad tidings to the believers who do righteous deeds. That for them is a great reward of everlasting delight in paradise awaiting in the hereafter. Surah Al-Isra, chapter 17, verse 9. The third ethic of a student of knowledge. Be humble. Know that no matter how much knowledge you acquire, there will always be a person who knows more than you do. Allah said, Nor have you, human beings, been given of knowledge more than very little. Surah Al-Isra, 17, verse 85. As a seeker of knowledge, therefore you should humble yourself and be gentle with all people, especially those having less knowledge than you do. Allah said to His Prophet, وسلم, Lower your wing of protective compassion to the believers. Surah Al-Hijr, 15, verse 88. The Messenger of Allah, وسلم, may the blessing and peace be upon him, uh, said, Allah, the most exalted, has revealed to me that you should show courtesy to and be cordial with each other so that no one should consider himself superior to another nor harm him. Muslim. The fourth ethic of the student of knowledge, learn to say, I don't know. Allah has made speaking without knowledge one of the cardinal sins. He said, Say, O Muhammad, indeed, my Lord has only prohibited obscenities, whatever of it is manifest and whatever of it is hidden, and all sin, and all sins, and especially the offense of oppression, without any right, and that you associate as a God with Allah that for which he has never sent down any authority and that you say concerning Allah what you do not know Surah Al-A'raf chapter 7 verse 33 Abdurrahman ibn Layla said I met 120 companions of the Prophet may Allah be pleased with them and whenever one of them was asked about any matter he would rather have have had he would rather have had one of his fellow companions answer in his stead, and whenever one of them narrated a hadith or gave a speech, he would wish that a companion other than himself was the deliverer of that speech. Once Imam Malik ibn Anas uh, was asked about a certain legal point and answered, I don't know. The questioner who was taken aback by the Imam's answer exclaimed, O oh, Abu Abdullah, Imam Malik's patronymic or nickname, do you mean you don't know? Yes, I do. I mean that. And please let other people know that I don't know, Malik responded. The fifth ethic of the student of knowledge, respect your teachers and educators. Many who presumably seek knowledge neglect this ethical principle of knowledge. One should know that the student of knowledge will never acquire knowledge until he respects both knowledge and those who impart it. Listen to the following word of counsel which Al-Hasan Al-Basri gave to his own son. O 
son of mine, if you sit with the people of knowledge, be more concerned about listening than speaking. Learn to listen well as much as you speak well, nor shall you interrupt anyone's speech no matter how long it lasts until he finishes. The sixth ethic of the student of knowledge, choose the right friends. Your friends have a tremendous effect on your behavior, your thinking, and more significantly on your knowledge. Select your friends from among the righteous. Allah said, and keep yourself, O Prophet, patient in the company of those humble believers who call upon their Lord with devotion in the morning and in the evening, desiring only His face. Nor shall you turn your eyes from the likes of them, desiring the adornment of the life of this world. Nor shall you obey the dictates of anyone whose heart we have rendered heedless of our remembrance, who thus follows his whims and whose disposition is ever reckless in disregard of the truth. Surah Al-Kahf, chapter 18, verse 28. Moreover, among the righteous work to develop more intimate relationships with those of them who are knowledgeable. By this you shall gain two merits. First, you will be influenced positively by their righteousness. Second, you will benefit from their knowledge. The seventh ethic of the student of knowledge. Make proper use of your time. Life is short while knowledge is vast. Time wasted in trivial pursuits is knowledge missed. How many pages can you read in one hour? How many books can you read in one day? Those who are still young are even more accountable for their time and health. Abu Dhar al-Ghifari quoted the Prophet ﷺ as saying, A servant of Allah will remain standing on the day of judgment till he is questioned about his age and how he spent it, about his knowledge and what he did with it about his wealth, and how he acquired it, and in what way he spent it, and about his body, and how he utilized it. Termini. As a seeker of knowledge, you need time more than anybody else. Your time is your capital, so do not let it go to waste. The Eighth Ethic of the Student of Knowledge Avoid Idle Talk Lahu. Idle talk hardens the heart and wastes time. The pious of the early generations used to say, any conversation or talk that does not lead to a good action is one part of idle talk. Remember the saying of the Messenger of Allah, let him who believes in Allah and the last day either say something good or keep silent. Bukhari and Muslim The ninth Ethic of student of knowledge, do not forget to make dua. Dua, supplication unto Allah, is what keeps you close to Allah. Moreover, it reminds you of your weakness and dependence on Him. It also keeps your heart alive and makes your soul conscious of Allah. If you don't comprehend a matter, ask Allah to grant you understanding of it. If you cannot memorize, ask Allah to cleanse your mind so that you can memorize. If you are confused, ask Allah to show you the truth and let you adhere to it, and ask Him to show you falsehood and let you shun it. Allah said, And the Lord of all of you, O humankind, has said, Call upon me in a prayer. 
I shall answer you. Surat Ghafir, chapter 40, verse 60. The Prophet, may the blessings and peace be upon him, used to say the following, or used to say the following dua, O Allah, O Allah, Lord or Rabb of Jibril, Gabriel, and Mikael, Michael, and Israfil, Creator of the heavens and the earth, Knower of the unseen and the unseen, you decide among your servants concerning their differences. Guide me with your permission in the divergent views which people hold about truth, for it is you who guides whom you will to the straight path, Muslim. Part 4 Why or what every Muslim should know about his deen? What every Muslim should know about his deen? Prophet Muhammad said, Seeking knowledge is obligatory upon every Muslim, Bayhaqi and Tabarani. Though this hadith is known and memorized by most Muslims, the essence, the amount, and the kind of knowledge to which it refers is misunderstood by many. <coughs> if it is true that the knowledge incumbent upon every Muslim pertains to religious or sacred knowledge, or ilm sharia then how deeply does one have to pursue his quest for, his, for this knowledge so as to fulfill his duties and discharge the learning obligations placed upon him? In other words, what are the minimum teachings that every Muslim, male or female, is required to know about his or her deen? Here is a very brief exposition of this question. Types of Knowledge in Islam Muslim scholars classify knowledge into two main categories. One, individually obligatory knowledge, fardain. This refers to knowledge of the essentials of Islamic beliefs that every Muslim must know. Seeking this knowledge is an obligation on each and every Muslim. All obligatory knowledge details al-ilm al-shari, that is, knowledge pertaining to Islamic faith, acts of worship and the regulation of transactions and the daily dealings of Muslim, of a Muslim. Two, communally obligatory knowledge. For the kifaya, possession of this category of knowledge is not a duty required of every individual, but rather falls upon a sufficient number within the community as a whole. Hence, if a group of individuals in the community undertake to acquire this kind of knowledge, all other individuals are exempt from this duty, and the community unit is free from negligence in regard to the responsibility of acquiring this type of knowledge. Examples of such knowledge include studying Islamic law and other basic Islamic sciences, industries, and professions, which are vital uh, for the spiritual, social, and functional welfare of the society. Unlike obligatory knowledge, communally required knowledge covers a part of Islamic knowledge and all worldly knowledge. The former is called ilm al-kifai, religious or sacred knowledge of sufficiency. The latter is al-ilm al-dunyawi, worldly knowledge. A. The religious sciences the religious sciences include all branches of Islam's Sharia such as Tafsir, Quran exegesis, Fiqh, the jurisprudence of Islam, Hadith known as uh, as Al-Mustalah Al-Hadith or Ilm Al-Hadith, 
seerah, the life narrative of the Prophet Muhammad Sallallahu revelation-based politics, as-siyas uh, revelation-based politics, as-siyas history of Islam, and so forth. Each of these sciences will require knowledge or other sciences to fully and comprehensively understand the substance of the specific matter being studied. For example, tafsir needs Arabic grammar and literature and other linguistic uh, skills. Hadith requires textual narrator criticism known in Arabic as ilm al-jarh wa ta'deel which assesses and categorizes the credibility, uh, trustworthiness, precision, memory retention, etc. of hadith narrators. B. The natural and applied sciences. These, of course, are the basic sciences, industries, and professions vital to the self-sustaining welfare of the community, agriculture, engineering, animal husbandry, food, animal husbandry, food sciences, and medicine, although Imam Shafi categorized medicine as part of the Sharia sciences. It is part of the wisdom of leadership to promote and ensure a sufficient scholarly and professional presence in all fields of communally obligatory knowledge. For example, Muslims in non-Muslim societies must ensure the sufficient number of Sharia experts from that society's Muslim population to properly address legal questions in a context that those that require special application as well as issues that appear novel. For example, there should be a sufficient number of Muslim educators, administrators, teachers, counselors, and the like to satisfy the growing needs of the Muslim institutions of learning in these countries. There is, for example, a need for male and female Muslim physicians to attend to the preventive and treatment health care of Muslim patients. Minimum requirements for Islamic sciences. The first requirements of and foremost prerequisites for learning Islam's religious sciences is that one understand or one understand the foundational principles of iman or faith called in Arabic usul al-din ilm usul al-din knowledge of the principles of the religion or the way of Allah Islam or simply aqidah which is a creed or faith of Islam it is worth restating that every Muslim must have a general knowledge of all matters pertaining to his personal faith even more so the student of religious knowledge one should have a clear understanding of the lord one uh, of the of the rub one worships or the lord one worships the prophet sallallahu one follows uh, sorry again one should have a clear understanding of the lord one worships the prophet one follows and the deen to which one has committed uh, himself or oneself Obviously, one is to exert the best of one's efforts to acquire these essentials or, or integrals of faith. Second, the students of knowledge must understand uh, precepts of law, fiqh al-ahkam. This includes all aspects of the rights of worship in Islam that are necessary uh, for the correct practice of one's uh, salah, ritual prayer, zakah, alms, Psalm fasting and Hajj pilgrimage. It also covers all aspects of family issues such as marriage, divorce, children's education, as well as rules and regulations for one's business transactions, including buying, selling, borrowing, lending, and so forth. A Muslim is obligated to learn from fiqh al-ahkam only matters that are related to the ibadah, 
ritual worship since Allah requires him to perform these as well as the precepts of any particular transaction he or she intends to undertake. For example, if a Muslim has not reached the age for prayer or fasting, he does not have to learn about them at that, time, at that point, though he may be encouraged to do so. Also, if one does not have the necessary means to perform Hajj, one is not required to learn its rituals until one becomes able to undertake the Hajj journey, although one must know what Hajj is generally and that it is obligatory upon one and upon what conditions it becomes obligatory upon one. Now, by learning Ilm, Usul al-Din, knowledge of the principles of the religion and Fiqh al-Ahkam, the precepts of law, a Muslim will know his Lord by all his beautiful names and most high attributes. He will renounce all imperfections that ignorant and deviant people attribute to Allah. He will know the status, function, and rights of Allah's prophets, and thus will neither elevate them to divine status nor degrade them to a station or category unbefitting of their prophethood, for such has been the bane of many a heretic in the history of humanity. They, the, educated, the educated believer will follow a similar course of learning and verification when it comes to other beliefs required of him or her, such as belief in the angels, the revealed books of Allah, Allah's uh, predetermined decree, the last day, torment in the grave, and so on. In addition, as previously stated, prior to performing any act of worship, a minimally learned Muslim will know the requirements, the conditions, and the desirable actions pertaining to that act which he or she is about to perform. Hence, one will never practice any act of worship or undertake any transaction not sanctioned by the Quran or the Sunnah. Yet our own observations of the degree and reliability of the Islamic knowledge possessed by, might we say, the overwhelming majority of Muslims today tell us how great is the extent of our neglect as individual and as a community of these two disciplines by which is meant the study and implementation of the Quran and the Sunnah and at the most basic level of mandatory faith and of obligatory ritual and transactional practice. Notwithstanding the requirement by every Muslim, we have uh, egregiously neglected them. Sorry, we have egregiously, egregiously neglected them. <coughs> that is, when we have not totally ignored them. Notwithstanding the requirement by every Muslim, we have egregiously neglected them. That is, when we have not totally ignore them. Unfortunately, there are many otherwise worldly educated Muslim professors, physicians, and engineers, and others who hold the most advanced academic professional positions in their respective fields and institutions who nonetheless do not possess even the minimum, even the minimum individually mandated knowledge of the Islamic sciences. With that, uh, would that it were ironic that while it takes only a few weeks or even a few days to acquire this obligatory Islamic knowledge, two years is generally the minimum time investment required to obtain even a basic degree in almost any worldly field. Indeed, many a condensed, indeed many a condensed training course for a particular operation or function demands upwards of 20 hours, and often many times this. We may duly commend and encourage our brothers and sisters for their worldly endeavor, yet they are undoubtedly remiss 
and ultimately sinful before Allah because of their shortcoming in learning the Islamic knowledge required of them. So then, let every Muslim know that once he has corrected his beliefs and ibadah worship and ibadah, uh, worship full obedience to Allah through study and the acquisition of knowledge and cleansed his devotions from any type of shirk i.e. showing off or pleasing other than Allah and the like he can aspire and hope for his reward from Allah indeed it is only upon the wings of knowledge and sincerity by Allah's grace that one can enter the gardens everlasting this is how we can understand the hadith of our beloved Prophet وسلم, whoever adopts whoever Whoever adopts, whoever adopts the path of seeking knowledge, Allah eases for him the way to paradise. Ahmed and Abu Dawood. Muslims should teach what they learn. A Muslim who has learned the requirements of his individual duties is responsible for disseminating the knowledge he has acquired to his family members first, then to his friends, co-workers, neighbors, and so on. Allah says, All you who believe, Save yourselves and your families from a fire whose fuel is people and stones over which are designated angels, dreadfully stern and severe. They do not disobey Allah in whatever He commands them. They do whatever they are commanded. Surah At-Tahrim 66 verse 6 The only way to save one's family members from hellfire is to teach them their obligations of faith and religion and to instruct them to observe them consistently. The Messenger of Allah also emphasized this responsibility. He said, every one of you is a steward and is accountable for that which is committed to his charge. The ruler is a steward and is accountable for his charge. A man is steward in respect of his household and is accountable for his charge. A woman is a steward in respect of her husband's house and his children and is accountable for her charge. Thus, every one of you is a steward and is accountable for that which is committed to his charge, Bukhari and Muslim. The following hadith is a strong reminder for any one of us whom Allah has blessed with some knowledge of Islam. Whoever is asked about knowledge he possesses and he conceals it, he will be bridled on the day of judgment with a halter of fire, Ahmed and Tirmidhi. Choice to study further. After one has acquired the requisite knowledge and committed him or herself to spreading it, then whether one will further uh, one's study or be content with maintaining that which one has acquired is left to one's personal decision. One should realize, however, that not all people possess the aptitude and diligence to plumb, to plumb the depths of Islam's knowledge, for this is a favor that Allah gives to whom ever he pleases. Nevertheless, one should keep in mind the virtues and merits of disseminating knowledge of Islam. In the end, we shall do well to remind ourselves with the statement of the Prophet وسلم, may the blessings and peace be upon him, Allah, his angels, and all those in the heavens and in earth, even the ants in their holes and the fishes in water, Pray for Allah's blessings upon those who instruct people in beneficial knowledge. Termini. So then, may Allah forgive us for any past neglect. Bless us in the present with the study and acquisition of the ilm we owe him and admit us on the morrow with the prophets 
and the righteous to his paradise. Amin. Alhamdulillah.